This is the word of the Lord from Ephesians 6, first in Spanish. Hijos, obedezcan en el Señor a sus padres porque esto es justo. Honra a tu padre y a tu madre, que es el primer mandamiento con promesa, para que te vaya bien y vivas largo tiempo sobre la tierra. Y ustedes, padres, no provoquen a ira a sus hijos, sino críenlos en la disciplina y la instrucción del Señor. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, student leaders. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about renewed parenting. My name is Jason, if I haven't met you yet. One of the pastors here and look forward to getting to know you as we've been working our way through this series about uh, renewed living, uh, thinking about a renewed individual, renewed families, renewed church, and uh, living uh, according to God's purposes. Well, today we will talk about renewed parenting. And um, as we do that, I want to just acknowledge something up front. Parenting is difficult, right? (laughs) Understatement. I mean, uh, the difficulty of parenting uh, is a broad spectrum. It could be something as simple as, uh, I remember a time that uh, our toddler was, you know, playing quietly. It's one of those rare occasions when you get to take a breath and the, the toddler is entertaining himself and you start to think, oh, this is nice. Is this, is this the beginning of something new? And then you start to realize, wait a minute, it's a little too quiet. <laughs> so you go to investigate and he's found a marker. And not only is the wall covered, but so is his face, his hands. You've, you've experienced that. Uh, or further along the spectrum, uh, you, uh, let's just say you've got twins. Let's just say, <laughs> let's say they're three years old and it's time for bedtime. Well, mommy's off having some much needed mommy time. And so daddy's turning to put the twins to bed and you let them stay up a little too late and uh, they're playing nicely and you say, well, I think it's bedtime. And well, the nice play turns into a catastrophic meltdown and the tears and the crying and the wailing and daddy is the worst and where is mommy? We wish, <laughs> we wish mommy was here. And as you're getting them tucked into bed and you leave the room, you hear them saying to each other, I think daddy should go on a long trip. <laughs> True story. (laughs) Parenting is difficult. And of course, those are the lighthearted difficulties. There are much, much heavier difficulties. When your preteen slams the door in your face the first time or says, I I can't wait till I'm 18 and move out of here or I don't love you or I hate you or they start to rebel and make choices. They have tremendous impacts on their lives and rebel against the Lord. Parenting is difficult and we know that. Uh, additionally, we also know that parenting is full of sacrifices. Essentially, we are pouring out our lives into the lives of our children. And coming along with that are a lot of fears. Uh, fears about, am I doing a good job? Fears about, what will the outcome be for my children? Will they love me when they're older? Will we have a relationship? Will they follow the Lord? Um, lots of fears and sacrifices and difficulties. Now, As we begin to look at the scriptures about parenting, you might be thinking, 
Well, what is Pastor Jason's credentials? What does he have to say about parenting? Well, Melissa and I, we are raising six boys. Uh, the last two are twins and did say that to me this weekend. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean that I have all the answers, that I know more than you, or that uh, I am a perfect parent. What it just means is I've had more opportunities for mistakes and need more grace in, in, in that sense. Uh, but what we can know for sure is uh, that there is hope in parenting. I hope today's message is encouraging to you. I know that it will reveal areas for all of us that we have fallen short, areas that we need God's grace, we need to improve, we need to have a new approach or new thinking. But I hope the overall message is that it's encouraging to you and that you know that it's never too late to start focusing on biblical parenting or renewed parenting. Now, if you're in the room and you're not a parent, uh, you might be thinking, well, this is a great time to check Facebook. No, that we, it's never a good time to check Facebook <laughs> during the sermon. No, but, um, but together, there, there are reasons why, even if you're not a parent, this is an important conversation uh, to be part of. For instance, if you're at a stage of your life where maybe you're a future parent, maybe one day you will be a parent. Uh, It's never too late to start learning and ingraining into your person what it means to be a godly parent. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, Additionally, we are in community together. And much of parenting throughout the Bible, uh, I would say almost all of it, is in the context of the biblical community of God's people. And that means that we all need to know what's going on. We all need to know the standards, the expectations. And you have a role, if you're not a parent, in supporting parents and families in our church and elsewhere. And uh, if nothing else, we have a responsibility as a faith family to rightly think about important topics. And nothing is more important. There are things equally as important, but nothing is more important than parenting. And so it's important for us to think rightly about parenting from God's perspective. Uh, So let's do that then. Let's dig into renewed parenting and what is Renewed parenting, uh, probably at its core, at its basics, would be returning to God's design for parenting. God has a lot to say to us about parenting. God is our Heavenly Father, perfect in every way. Perfect in His love for us, His grace for us, His discipline of us, His redemption of us, His provision. And so we look to God's Word to instruct us in parenting. You might have your favorite parenting books, but I hope the Bible is at the top of that list, as it should be. So, renewed parenting. Let me pray about this. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we do turn to you as our Father, as uh, our perfect, loving, gracious, redemptive Heavenly Father, that you would instruct us from your Word, that you would make our hearts pliable, teachable, moldable, that uh, our thoughts and intentions would be those of yours as you instruct us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think of renewed parenting, I want to think of kind of three categories. The first category being the heart of renewed parenting. In other words, what's happening inside the parent? What's the motivation? What's going on inside of us? And uh, I want to start with two negative examples. This is what parenting should not be about. First of all, parenting is not primarily about what I want as the parent. Now, unfortunately, uh, there is a lot of discussion around parenting that involves what the parent wants. Today, in the Western world, the big 
discussion around parenting and what the self-focus is leads people to say, I don't want to be a parent. And uh, there, there are big discussions happening in our society about reasons why not to be a parent, and they all point back, most all, to the self. Uh, I don't want to give up my control of my life. I don't want to give up and sacrifice uh, the, the things I enjoy about life. In fact, there was an article that came out just a couple weeks ago, uh, tragically, is a mother who has children, I believe are still at home, and she publicly is proclaiming to the world, I'm a mother and I don't want to be a parent anymore. Uh, well, that is, we have to re- check that part of our heart that says parenting is about what I want you know, whatever reasons you thought you wanted to have kids, if maybe having children or being a parent would complete some part of you or make you feel good, or maybe you had this idealistic relationship you wanted to create with your child uh, that would reflect well on you, or some mold you wanted to create in your child, maybe reproducing yourself. Uh, all of those are very self-focused, and that's not the true heart of renewed parenting. But similarly... Renewed parenting or biblical parenting is not about what the child wants either. Uh, we have to make sure that we are uh, not just parenting to soothe the immediate need of the child. Now, there is a very small stage when that is true. When that, I, I remember uh, a moment that is seared into my brain when I knew life had changed for me. Uh, it was... Almost 16 years ago, our oldest son turns 16 in a couple weeks, 16 years ago at 3 a.m. in a hospital room, my wife had delivered our son, uh, we had settled down for the evening, and it was a beautifully peaceful couple of hours until in the middle of the stillness of night, a screech unearthly, unholy <laughs> began to emanate from the bassinet near my head. And I bolted up out of bed, and it was like a full-body shock that I knew life would never be the same. My wife slept through it. I don't know how. Uh, maybe she was pretending because she, maybe that was payback for what was going to happen. But we, there is a time when you have to address the immediate needs of the child. But most of parenting is looking beyond what the child wants. It's looking to something else. Uh, parenting just for what your child wants becomes permissive parenting, if you heard that term, or not having boundaries. Maybe you know a family where they say, in our household, no is a bad word. We don't say no. Well, guess what? The Bible says no a lot. So uh, in its most altruistic form, this kind of parenting where you uh, kind of are led by what the child wants, it turns into... I want to give my child everything I didn't have when I was growing up. And even that is misguided because uh, the things you didn't have growing up, those formed you into the person that you are as much as the things you did have. And so uh, we have to be careful that we're not parenting just solely on what the parent wants or just solely what the child wants. We have to say biblical parenting, renewed parenting, is primarily about what God wants, what God desires for your parenting, through your parenting, and to be the outcome of your parenting. And this is at the heart of the biblical instructions for parenting in the scriptures. 
and even in today's passage. As Sarah was reading this, uh, we began to see uh, Ephesians 6, 1-4, we see that parenting is a spiritual endeavor. As instructions are given to the child, as instructions are given to the parents, there's this phrase used, in the Lord, or of the Lord. Uh, In verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Verse 4, parents, bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parenting, from a biblical perspective, is a spiritual endeavor. It's the guiding the formation of of a human being who is made in the image of God. This is spiritual as much as anything else. And I think that's an important perspective to have, including this idea that our relationship to our child is intended to highlight our relationship with God. It is, there is a connection to that. It is no mistake that God uh, presents himself to us as our father. So if this is the heart behind parenting... Let's talk about the hope of renewed parenting. And when I think of the hope, I'm thinking, what are we striving for? What is the outcome that we hope will happen through our parenting? And when we think about the hope of parenting, it's something that we need to be investing in, something we need to be working for. We are working for the future of our child. We're thinking about what the outcome will be. Now, this is not a new concept, this working toward the future with your child. You, th- you, ha- you take that approach in education. Uh, you, are, you are saying uh, the future child is more important than the present child. That's what education is. For instance, you get up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, your child says, I don't want to go to school today. Well, future you needs this, so you're going to school. Same thing when it comes to uh, helping your child become well-rounded. You push your child into uncomfortable and new experiences. You expose them to the world in different ways. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's art. Maybe uh, it's meeting new people. You help them become well-rounded by pushing them outside of their comfort zone because you know their future self will benefit even if they're momentarily uncomfortable uh, or in some way would rather not And uh, the same with uh, helping them acquire new skills. If your child has decided to play a sport, you make them go to practice, even if they don't feel like it. If they are learning an instrument, you make them take the lessons, even though they, halfway through, decide, I don't like piano anymore. Well, you're taking these lessons. Future self will benefit from this present discomfort. So we get this. We understand this. The same with eating their vegetables. Oh, you would rather have a hamburger tonight instead of this lovely vegetable-filled casserole that mommy made? Well, guess what? Future self needs these vegetables. So we get that. But we, somehow we disconnect that with spiritual, and we, we, we allow the spiritual to fall off as well. But no, parenting is a spiritual endeavor, and for us to uh, seek the spiritual outcome, we need to invest in the spiritual future of our children. So therefore, summing all that up, to say this, parenting is disciple-making. If you could take nothing away from today, that is what I hope you, you can take away, is that parenting is disciple-making. Now, of course, we know you can't choose faith for your child. That is uh, 
by God's grace, at the right moment, they will choose uh, to follow Jesus for themselves. But parenting uh, is, does have as its goal disciple-making, biblical parenting. So you, in other words, to, to phrase it differently, what is the result that we are pursuing as parents? We are pursuing uh, that uh, we, we have as our goal that our child will grow up to be a godly young man or a godly young woman who is following Jesus into adulthood and beyond. That's our desire. In fact, uh, John wrote uh, a beautiful verse in 3 John. He was talking about disciples in the church, but he used the parent-child uh, language, so I think it's, it's uh, beautifully fitting. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That sums up the ultimate goal of us as parents. Yes, we want them to, to grow up and be healthy. Yes, we want them to grow up and be uh, mature and well-rounded and successful and capable. All of that, yes. But if we do all of that and yet they, they, we have not done our part to help them know and follow Jesus, then we have not fully succeeded as parents. Our main goal is that we would invest in their spiritual future. So some parts of that some parts of this hope of disciple-making. One is when our child misbehaves, uh, we do not just uh, identify that as bad behavior. We don't say, uh, hopefully we're not saying, you're just a bad kid. We're not saying, oh, you did a bad thing. Well, that is the very surface of it. But with disciple-making as our attitude, we're thinking, ah, you are a sinful person. And, we, and at the right age, that is part of the discussion in correcting the behavior. You, you and I were all sinful. And this behavior was bad, but it is sinful. It is not what God desires from us. Uh, the Proverbs twenty two fifteen 15 uh, addresses this idea that children are sinful. Did you know that there's this uh, idea, this kind of uh, idealistic uh, thought that children are born as blank slates? And like their experiences and, and influences kind of make them good or bad? That's not in the Bible. No, the Bible says we're all born sinful. We've inherited it and we choose it. And so uh, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the way that we parent has a hope for redemption. Foolishness in Proverbs is parallel to uh, unbelief, uh, rebellion against God, choosing a different path. That's a parallel thought in, in Proverbs. And so we need to have that mentality as uh, we're raising our children. They are sinners. And part of our uh, motivation for parenting is their uh, ultimate redemption through Jesus Christ. So that means that our parenting is more than behavior modification. Uh, it, it's ultimately aiming at the heart and, uh, and their relationship with God that we hope will form. So that means that we're not just raising good kids. We want to raise godly kids. But here's the, the trick. If you're just wanting to raise good kids, all it takes is a good parent. But if you want to raise godly kids, it takes a godly parent. And, of course, that's a higher standard that takes more investment. And, of course, it takes a lot of grace from the Lord. When we think about 
disciple making as uh, parenting as disciple making, we know that character is more important than behavior. But here's the thing: in the in the development of children, behavior comes first and character comes second. So we're shooting for character. But you can't wait until you can sit down with your child and say, now let me tell you why what you're doing is wrong. And let's reason this out from the scriptures. And then I don't think you'll do it anymore. If you wait until your child can understand those words, you have waited far too long. (laughs) You have to have that in mind, but start with behavior. And so let's let's start there. Think a little bit about the... uh, Parenting as disciple making, the hope of parenting, but how do we pursue that? And here, here is the, the first word that I want to impress upon you, and that is authority. If we are, if we are pursuing disciple making as parents, we have to assert our authority under God. We have to teach our children to obey us. Now, these words spoken in today's society, are stark. They're unusual. They, they go against uh, kind of society's approach. But these are biblical words. This is a biblical understanding that you, as a parent, have a responsibility to God to be in authority over your children. Uh, it, a parallel passage to our Ephesians 6 passage that we read today is, is, is uh, Colossians 3. And in Colossians 3.20, it says, children, obey your parents in everything. So here's a question. If our children are one day supposed to obey the commands of God, how are they supposed to learn to fulfill that command, to obey us in everything? Just one day, they just, it clicks, and they say, oh, I have realized that I am supposed to obey my parents and everything, so I will stop disobeying and start obeying. How will they know to obey? How will they learn to obey if we do not teach them to obey? And I would additionally say that we must teach our children to live under authority because this honors God. We are all under God's authority. And so we do a disservice to our children if we let them grow up uh, as, 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 trying to escape authority because we are all under God's authority. I want to read to you a, a, a quote from the book Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. God calls his creatures to live under authority. He is our authority and has vested authority in people within the institutions he has established, such as the home church, state, and business. You must not be embarrassed to be authorities to your children. You exercise authority as God's agent. You may not direct your children for your own agenda or convenience. You must direct your children on God's behalf for their own good. The purpose of your authority in the lives of your children is not to hold them under your power, but to empower them to be self-controlled people living freely under the authority of God. You must assert your authority as an agent of God so that one day they can live under God's authority and understand all that that means. And what, would, what will the result be? 
Well, there, is, there are promises. We saw it in our passage today, and you can see it when you go back to Deuteronomy and Exodus, when these commands were first given. There's a promise to children that when they honor their parents, when they obey their parents, quality of life increases. Quality of life, joy, satisfaction, uh, the functioning of society, all of it increases. And there is a mutual benefit all around. And so we, te- we must uh, live as authorities over our children for their good and for the good of those around them and for the honor of God. But how do we do that? Here's the second word, discipline. Discipline is at the heart of how we uh, teach our children about authority. Now, you might be thinking, wait, discipline, that sounds like a bad word. That sounds harsh. That sounds cruel. We don't like discipline. Well, discipline has multiple parts. And most of the time, we're only thinking about the corrective part. Discipline has instructive and formative parts, too. And we're going to talk about all of that. But first of all, discipline is a scriptural idea. It is part of how God relates to us, as we heard in our liturgy today. I want to remind you of those verses from Hebrews 12. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. In verse 11, for the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So discipline in parenting. This is key. Discipline, and it, I want to break it down into some parts. The first part being training. Now, these different parts of discipline kind of correspond roughly to stages of development in a child, but they have a lot of overlap. So don't think, okay, at age three, training stops. When potty training stops, training stops. No, it's, it's, it, it um, has continuing uh, effects. But training, Proverbs 22.6 might come to mind. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And training has a lot to do with uh, appealing to some of the lowest uh, or earliest levels of how we function in, in the world. That is, uh, actions and, and consequences. Uh, and so this begins very early in the life of, of the child. In fact, I would even say you're training your child as you interact with a brand new a newborn. They are trained that when you, they cry, you come and you respond to their needs, which is uh, how it should be. But we have to recognize that all of our behaviors with our child is training them. And so we have to consciously be thinking, my response to this behavior is in some way training them either to continue a good behavior or discontinue it. Uh, And so uh, this is a silly little example, but uh, when our oldest son uh, was about five years old and he had a three-year-old and a one-year-old brother... Uh, He would do certain things and play with them in certain ways, and he loved to make them scream. (laughs) And I had to teach him that uh, the things you're doing, you're training them to scream in response to what you're doing, and that's not healthy for our family, all this screaming happening. (laughs) But I mean, I I had to explain what training was, the response you make to a certain behavior that trains the child until they can start to reason, and then you can move into instruction. 
Instruction is, I would say, the majority part of what discipline is in the, in the parent's life. And your child has almost a limitless capacity to receive and absorb instruction. Children's brains are so, uh, so malleable, and uh, they're just like a little sponge. You, you get this when your four- or five-year-old just won't stop asking questions, and you're done after the third question, and they've got 100 more right behind them. <clears throat> Instruction, in fact, is a huge part of what biblical parenting is. And we can look back at Deuteronomy 6 to see this. We, we uh, understand this to be the Shema. The, the Israelite people would say morning and evening. But I want to focus in on the instructions for how they were to instruct their, uh, their children. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Now, verse 7 says, repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. I don't know if you heard that. Every part of the day is included. In other words, we don't have a little five-minute window at the end of the day before bedtime, and that's when we talk about God. Or that's when we talk about spiritual things. Save your spiritual questions. To save your, your thoughts about Jesus until 8 p.m. And that's when we'll talk about it. No. It's great to have devotions. It's great to have Bible reading time. But we flood the day with our talk about God and how we see the world and how he has made everything and how he wants us to behave. Every bit of interaction has with it a worldview that has God as our Heavenly Father, has the gospel in it. And so there's a way to answer almost every question and, uh, and instruction with that at its heart. And that's the biblical approach. Instruction is the biggest part of, of, of parenting through discipline. Now, of course, then there is the correction part. And correction takes a lot of forms. Uh, for instance, one that you may be familiar of, Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, uh, the, the important part is the correction part, the, the uh, discipline part. This is all it means, bringing the child back to the proper path, correcting uh, a wayward direction. And uh, if done early enough and often enough, consistently enough, uh, it is... Uh, it, my experience has been that correction is needed less and less. If you start early and be very consistent, uh, this is the way we behave, this is the way we think, this is what we know God wants from us, and correction uh, is, needs, you need less of it as you go. And then there's guidance. Guidance is a huge part of, of discipline as a parent when you have older children. Probably uh, middle to late teens and on into adulthood, you get to be a guide, a sage if you want, where they come to you for advice or they bring their decisions to you. Uh, Proverbs has a lot of this. In fact, big chunks of Proverbs are written like a father and a mother giving advice to their son. And uh, for instance, Proverbs 1, 8 and 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. 
It's like we're, we're dressing you for life out in the world. And we're giving you the guidance that will lead you into uh, a relationship with God and with the world. So discipline is key. We hate that word, but if you see it in its full, full form, it is, that is what it means to, uh, to help your child live under the authority that God's given you. But it has to be balanced. Uh, it has to be balanced with nurture. This is another important concept in parenting. And I would say if you put discipline and nurture together in parenting, what you get up, uh, what the, word, the concept you get is, is shepherding. You're shepherding your child. So nurturing the heart of your child. Uh, Ephesians 6.4 gave that warning to fathers. Do not stir up anger in your child. Or another translation says, do not exasperate them. In other words, you have a, a connection to your child's emotional, spiritual life that you know how much they can take. And you're not uh, coming down on them in a corrective way that's so difficult that they can't follow. Or you're not putting a standard that's so high that they can't live up to it. You are, you're, you're in tune with the heart of your child. And that's very important. We understand nurture when it comes to physical health. Uh, maybe we're understanding more about emotional and psychological health. Uh, but spiritual health is important as well, that we're nurturing them as they're growing. Another part of parenting would be protecting. This is part of nurturing. It's protecting your child. And uh, a great example of this is when, we, when Jesus taught us how to pray to our Heavenly Father. You remember this the, in the, the Lord's Prayer? One of the prayers that we pray to the Heavenly Father is, Lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we want to protect our children. And uh, I would say uh, a key to protecting your child is knowing this truth. If you're a parent, you are the biggest influence in your child's life. Now, uh, years ago, a study was done among teenagers to find out what were the biggest influences in their lives. And uh, the, the leading thought at the time was that peers were the biggest influence in the lives of teens. And the study re- revealed that almost all teens say their parents were their biggest influence. That's very encouraging, but we can't forget that. We are the biggest influence in our lives. And so we have to use that influence for their protection. We have to recognize that there are other influences, other forces out there that want to have an impact on your child. Some of those uh, may have innocuous intentions, but a lot of them are malevolent. Or they come from a worldview that doesn't align with the scriptures. But here's the thing about protecting uh, our children. Uh, we recognize these other influences come from lots of angles, entertainment or education or the peers that they're around or the, the social media and the websites they visit. There's lots of ways those influences can come. And so maybe as a parent, you're thinking, one of my jobs is to protect them. So I will cut them off. I will build this perfect little cocoon around my child. They will, I will control strictly what flows into that cocoon. And they will one day on their 21st birthday emerge as this beautiful butterfly, untouched, <laughs> untouched by any of the negative influences of the world. And they will fly off to live a beautiful life before the Lord. Stop that. That, <laughs> that is not only unrealistic, it does harm. It, that is not how you raise a godly person. Instead, there is a bit of protection that has to happen. But the older 
a child gets, the more you have to stop protecting and start bringing them along to interact with these other influences. You have to teach them to see them for what they are. You have to talk to them about what these influences mean. And you have to prepare them with tools, critical thinking, scripture, biblical uh, principles. You have to uh, prepare them to interact and uh, see the values behind these other influences and hold to the values that we know are, the, are from the Lord. Here's an example. Uh, in our home, uh, when we watch movies, uh, there are movies that come out, and we will tell our, our boys, uh, we're not going to watch this movie. Even mommy and daddy aren't going to watch this movie. It's got parts in it. It's, it's kind of irredeemable. There are parts that make it uh, unhealthy for us, spiritually and emotionally or whatever. So we're not going to watch this movie. Now, there are other movies, maybe have a little bit here and there. And so we've read the reviews. We know what's in this movie before we watch it. So we uh, be prepared. We're going to skip some parts. We're going to fast forward. We might mute. We know if they're going to say some things. Um, and we tell them why. Uh, here's another example. True, true story. Uh, most of our, so for most of our children's lives, we only listen to Christian music, but we recognize they need to interact with the culture. So as they get older, we start letting uh, other musical uh, genres in, and we'll talk to them about that. So driving in the car with my three older boys, and we're listening to some classic rock, and uh, we're hearing uh, Michael Jackson sing about Billie Jean, and get to a point, and I pause, or I, start, I mute the music and say, do you know what he's talking about? Do you know what he's singing about? You need to know about the world. You need to know uh, what happens and how to guard yourself and the, the temptations of the world. And here is a, an example, right, in culture. You have to stop the urge to always just protect, and there comes a time that you have to start letting the influences in just enough so you can help them interact so that one day they stand strong in the Lord, able to see the world for what it is. The alternative is that cocoon opens and the beautiful butterfly emerges and it gets squashed immediately by the heavy hand of a sinful world. And so uh, protecting, yes, is part of nurturing, but it has to be done well. And a, a final part of nurturing would be modeling. You, you uh, as a parent... Um, need to see part of what your job is, is to take the hand of your child and walk before the Lord, and they see your relationship with God. They see the person that you are so they can become like you. You want to be the person that you want your child to become. Now, we've all had our experience with our own parents. Some of, our, of us had parents that we would love to be like. Others of us had negative examples of what a parent should be. And you can learn from both. You can, uh, you can look at those examples and say, I want to do this, I don't want to do that, so I see the path to walk. But for your child, try to be the parent that you want them to be. Titus 2.7 says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. So you're modeling for your child your behavior, your choices, your lifestyle, your character, your attitudes, what you believe, the worldview. You're, you're modeling an attitude of continual growth in the Lord and being open to correction, making things right when you've made a mistake, acknowledging before your child, which is one of the hardest things to do, acknowledging you are wrong, asking for forgiveness, uh, addressing your own sin. This is key to modeling for your child uh, the person that they want to be. 
Because telling them how to be only works for a few minutes. And then, then the rest is they're going to copy you. So if that is the, uh, the, ho- the heart and the hope of renewed parenting, let's lastly talk about help. Because we as parents need to know we're not in this alone. And we're not. We have partners in biblical parenting. So walk, first of all, the partnership is with the Lord. Walk as a parent with God. Uh, that means you're investing in your personal relationship and your growth. That means you're praying. You're praying for yourself to, that you would, uh, you would be the parent God wants you to be. You're praying for your child. You're praying for your whole family. You know, there are a lot of pressures that we put on ourselves as parents uh, about the outcome of our children. And so uh, that, that's wrong. The, we have a responsibility but the responsibility is not for the outcome. The responsibility is for our part. And so part of walking with God as a parent is knowing your part. God has given us a, a, a heavy part. It's a heavy enough load to carry that we do our best to parent them according to biblical standards. The outcome is up to God. Up to God and his grace and his working in their life. And that's very difficult I've seen it for, in my experiences, it's harder for the mothers to kind of let that outcome rest in the hands of the Lord, but it is very difficult. So work hard, but trust God for the outcome. He is our best partner in parenting. Second partner would be your spouse. Now, I know we live in a fallen world, a lot of broken relationships, a lot of broken homes. I'm not saying anything about you, if you are, have a broken marriage, anything like that. I'm simply saying uh, the Bible's ultimate standard, best standard is that children by design need a father and a mother in the home together. That is God's uh, number one standard. Now, that doesn't mean any other broken family uh, or family that doesn't match that standard is, uh, is not capable at all. It doesn't mean that. But we need to uh, recognize that both mother and father have an important role to play in parenting. And that's best done when they're on the same page, partnering together, seeking the Lord together. And so I would say uh, that uh, a key part of that kind of teamwork is recognizing this. You need to be on the same page, but you cannot be the same person. My wife and I are very different people. If you spend any time around us together... You will know we are very different people. And I would say she's a better parent than I am because I see all the things that she gives to our kids that I can't give because that's not me. And she sees the things that I give to our children that she can't give because she's not me. That's the beauty of a parenting partnership like that is that it takes both. And we're not the same person, but we're on the same team. Uh, Another partnership, raise your children in the fellowship and support of God's people. I said earlier that uh, in the Bible, the context for parenting is in the faith family of God's people. And that is so true. That actually is one of the ways that a, a family that doesn't live up, that, that, is, that has uh, had sin touch it and can't uh, have that standard of a mother and a father both in the same home, they still can thrive because of God's people around them, supporting them, loving them, and, uh, and supplying what uh, is needed. Uh, but we as a church then have a responsibility to meet those families, all families, where they are, with the support that we can, 
we can give as uh, recognizing that parents are the primary disciple makers, but the church comes alongside and supports that. Um, one beautiful part of raising children in the faith family community is that you're, you're raising children with other godly parents. Some who have very far along the parenting journey, maybe they, their, parent, their children are grown, some who are behind you in the parenting journey, and all together we support each other and we get encouragement from each other. We see these brand new babies showing up at church on Sunday. Uh, it warms our heart. We see, grown, we see multiple generations of families worshiping in church together. Uh, it, it is an important thing to partner with God's people in raising children. And, and finally, uh, the partnership of extended family and friends. Uh, lean on the love and the joy of extended family. This is so important. Grandparents, uh, you play such an important role in the lives of your children and their children. Uh, and, and I would say the same for adoptive grandparents or other close family, other friends. Uh, that's an important role. Um, so one, uh, one word is that I would offer is maybe if you, uh, you maybe if you're a grandparent, and you, you learn from your mistakes, and you know the right way to raise kids. Maybe back off a little, all right? What your, what your children need for raising their kids is love and support, not the right answers. Now, if they're asking uh, for specifics, you can give the right answers, but love and support and the, the proper boundaries will reap a beautiful relationship there. But the best thing that those extended family and friends can do is pray. Pray, pray, pray for those families, uh, and they will reap the rewards. All right, let's finish up by saying this. What are we going to do when we leave this room? What are our next steps? First of all, if you're a parent, talk about biblical parenting. Talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with your children if they're old enough to understand that. Uh, maybe use that language when your child says, why are we doing this? Well, this is what God wants for us, and I'm your parent and your authority, and I think this is going to be good for us. Uh, take an inventory as a parent. What are we doing well? What are some areas that you see, hey, we, we're struggling. Maybe we need some resources here, or maybe we need to go back to the drawing board on this uh, approach or that approach. But take an inventory. You, you won't improve. Things won't get better if you don't look at how they're doing now. And uh, today you can start praying. If you aren't already, start praying today for yourself and your family. If you are praying, continue, please. Non-parents, if you're not a parent in the room, also pray for families. Offer, look around, see the families. Maybe some in your community group. Maybe some that you serve with in the church. Uh, offer what you have to them. Maybe it's, uh, hey, can I watch your kids on a Friday evening? You can have a date night. Or uh, can I come over and have a game night with you and just be, a, be an aunt or an uncle? Whatever you've got, offer that in support. Uh, but also if you feel like parenting is in your future, maybe you're young, maybe you're thinking of adopting, uh, whatever the reason is, don't wait until at the hospital they put a baby in your arms or you're at the adoption agency and here comes a five-year-old into your life to say, now I have to learn what it means to be a parent. If you're not a parent, but it might be in your future, learn now. Begin to absorb, uh, looking at uh, the scriptures, of course, and other godly parents that you admire. Learn what it means to be a good parent. And children, if, you, uh, if you're in the room, this is straight from the Lord. Honor, 
uh, and respect and obey your parents. This is good for you. It's good for your parents, and it honors God. Also, give your parents grace. Your parents are imperfect. They make lots of mistakes, but they love you, and they have a responsibility for, before God to do what's right for you, and they're trying. So give your parents grace, and if you have godly parents, follow their lead. Let's pray. God, you are our Heavenly Father, perfect in every way. And you do a miraculous work of redemption in us. And part of that is a beautiful role that parenting plays. I pray for each of the parents in the room. You give them encouragement and hope and a vision for the future that, uh, that you would set before them from the scriptures. I pray for the rest uh, in our community that we would join together in disciple making and be part of what you're doing here. Lord, speak to our hearts. Maybe even some of us, um, Lord, still bear the scars and the pains of bad parenting in our lives. Maybe our own, maybe those of our parents. But would you heal us? Would you move us beyond that so that we can see you in your perfection and not get caught up in thoughts of those bad parents that worked in our lives? But Lord, in this moment, may we worship you, especially as we gather around the table to celebrate Christ. Would you set us free in Jesus to live for you? We pray in his name. Amen.